Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. You know, speaking of ebooks, one that I really appreciate you share, you know, giving away to your to your audience, um, to your tribe, is placebos. And oh yeah, the placebo one is a great example because people hate placebos. They hate every time I do a blog post about placebos, my traffic drops in half. Really, really, I because yeah. okay, but I want to talk about this because I love it and confirmation bias. These are things that just struck me like a lightning bolt in my first year psychology course. I was like, oh my, like I felt like something was unveiled to me and you know so so to dig into it with you because i mean it's just as fat and i actually read a book by this guy herbert benson he was this harvard cardiologist and sure. talking you're probably familiar with him like i was fascinated by it like i mean and i still am and and i and i just but i love how you brought it into in, into marketing speak and you know um around the story we tell ourselves that changes the way our brain and our body work i mean that's fascinating to me and but you know so so i'm still so so what is it that doesn't appeal to people do you think People are worried that if they understand the placebo effect, it will stop working. Ah, okay. So there, there's almost and like so, a religious uh, connotation oh, to yeah. that. Oh, yeah. So here, here's what you can do for fun. I have done this. Walk into a health food store when you have a cold <laughs> and say to the proprietor, do you have any placebos? I'm really uncomfortable. <laughs> and you've done this, Seth. How did that go? I have. And well, the person who, the person at the front desk said i'm not sure and she like leaned behind her and said to the owner hey doris do we have a, there's a guy here he wants placebos do we have any placebos and then she turned she said you know if you told me uh you needed some i could order some for you here's a pack of mints <laughs> oh th- that is brilliant so dave about the placebo what is it you know, from the entrepreneurial perspective that really triggered you after reading, reading that? Well, I never, you know what? I always, I thought of it more from a health perspective that really, like I just thought this, and I guess what I read, uh, and I'm going way back in time here, but this guy, Herbert Benson, but I was always fascinated by how, how kind of the idea that a placebo effect was poo-pooed, you know, like it, like it didn't have value. And yet, it could make, you know, people feel much better as, a, you know, in this connection between, you know, trusting your, uh, you know, the caregiver, physician, whoever that is, or, you're, you know, that, and, and, you know, that, you know, how your body work. I just found it, the whole concept fascinating, right? I never really thought of it in terms of, um, uh, from a marketing perspective. So I think that was really kind of an interesting uh, leap for me to try to make in my mind. But it just, it just, it, it was such an, I think, an important thing. I just don't understand why people ignore it. And I think, you know, that's a good point, Seth, about this idea that they're worried it's not going to work anymore or that it's going to take away its impact. Well, it, it, it still is poo-poo. So here's an example. Uh, for certain kinds of knee surgery, uh, for runners and stuff, they've found that fake knee surgery is as effective for relieving pain as real knee surgery. Meaning you go in, they put you under, the doctor cuts your leg, stitches you up and sends you home. But that's all they did, is give you a scar. That is as effective as a fairly difficult surgery where they cut you open and then start moving stuff around and stitching stuff up inside of you. 
So if it can be shown that it's just as effective, where are all the people in the medical community screaming that it should be legal for them to do sham knee surgery? Because it should be legal, because it works. It works as well as real knee surgery, in fact. But you didn't become a doctor so that you could pretend to operate on people. And so it, it goes against the narrative of the practitioner mm -hmm. who wants to feel like they're taking action. And that's what my book is all about, is the narratives of what are we here to do and how do we do it? And so, you know, in terms of how placebos work for marketers, a great example is brainstorming sessions. A well-run brainstorming session actually works. A poorly run one doesn't. But the main reason a well-run brainstorming session works is because of the placebo effect. Because your body is saying to itself, well, if I'm here and I'm going through all this stuff, I'm under social pressure to share that idea that I was afraid to say out loud. That's a placebo. It's as a placebo as effective as if they did knee surgery on you. It's still the same thing. It's rewiring your brain. Where where it connects, and like that's I really that's a great um, uh, you know, like the brainstorming session, a great explanation. Like I think you know like so so in my world in coaching, right? Like people can decide upfront if it's going to work or not going to work before, it, and they will be right either way, right? And, you know if they're entering a coaching relationship, but the highly motivated person who who is in that? I, I, you know, I guess that's. I never really thought of it like this, but, but that's the folks that we're actually really interested in working with, and not people that need to be convinced, because we know half the battle and 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 half the work is well, all the work's going to be done by them. So they have to have this huge belief in this, and believe, and you know, and even when you talk about price point and everything, and, and the value of of um, a service that's seen as, you know, kind of a premium service, but not too high. Like, it, there's just a lot of things that landed for me, and I thought, oh, I just never thought about it from that perspective, you know, and and, um, and even how a con uh, confirmation bias plays into that. So so I, so I thank you for, for you know, kind of opening my eyes to that, Seth, and I just, you know, and there, there for, for our listeners, I mean, you go to Seth's blog, and you can download this booklet, e-booklet, and it's, I mean, I think it's fascinating. I'm going to actually test this whole idea of putting placebo out there and seeing kind of how how it, how it, you know, or how the metrics respond. We do have respond. children, Dave. We do have children. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I'm thinking about just the audience. Like when you said, what Seth said, he puts a, he puts a post out and then, you know, <laughs> you know, your, your numbers drop, you know, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I'm just fascinated by the topic. Um, and you know what? I, I, th I think this is a good place to, to talk as well. Going back to the book, you've got three concepts, uh, Seth, that like a lot, a lot of your words are a little bit surprising to read, but it's so interesting for me to, uh, to think about. You talked about the tyranny of trying to be perfect. You also talked about the possibility of doing things better, but then the magic of good enough. And I'm, I'm just going to let you kind of fill in those holes because most people in our culture are aiming for perfect and they think maybe better is second best and good enough is not, but you've reversed this order. Can you can you expand on that a little bit for us, Seth? Okay, well, tyranny is a place to hide. Uh, perfect is a place to hide, and that's why it's tyranny, meaning you will never be perfect. And so since you can never be perfect, you might as well not even ship. That if you're, if you're a perfectionist, what you really are is a coward. Because what you're saying is, I have a good reason to hold on to this, to not share it, to not ship it, because it's not perfect. And I'm a good person because I'm withholding my lousy work from the world. Aren't you proud of me? No, I'm not proud of you because you had a contribution to make and you chose not to make it. 
because you've decided that you're afraid of criticism. And the only way anything gets better is by being in the world and being used and being improved. So the Model T wasn't a perfect car, but if you care about cars, I'm glad they shipped it. And version 1.0 of Word was horrible, but I'm glad they shipped it because that's the way we move forward. And so possibility, which is a, a term from Roz and, Beth, Roz and Ben Zander, is the idea that we can embrace imperfect because we are doing it with generosity. And we can look for the possibility of doing better next time, the possibility of learning something. And so what I'm trying to do is help people get past that noise in their head that's causing them to hide. Because the way our culture works today, people who hide aren't safe. They're on their way down. And you know, and you continue by saying people who aren't as gifted or generous as you are are running circles around you because they are showing up as professionals. And yet too many people with something to offer are holding themselves back. And that's because they're aiming for perfect. Well, I don't think they're aiming for perfect. I think they say they're aiming for perfect. I think what they're actually doing is hiding. I think that's a, that's a brilliant way of looking at it. And, and, and it's so true. And it's something, Seth, that I've gone through a lot with film, you know, as a filmmaker. And we've had arguments with my, with my staff uh, over the years about pieces that are certainly far from perfect and do not stand up to the high quality that Hemming's House is known for. But all I want to do is release the stuff. And typically I do. And typically my staff gets freaked out at me. But then once they end up seeing the response, they're like, oh, yeah, okay, we got through that one. That was okay. Maybe that worked. So I think this is something that we should actually embrace a bit more is showing rough cuts, you know, releasing pre-release uh, uh, chapters of a book, you know, getting people to see kind of the process and, and the grittiness behind it. And that's not just in the artistic space. That's really for any of our products. Uh, would, would you say that that relates to any vertical, Seth, like outside of the creative well, space? Well, it, it, it does. But I need to add something important here, which is I have never once said, just ship it. I have never once said, put your crap in the world and see what happens. What I have said is merely ship it. And what I mean by merely ship it is without commentary, without excuses, without a narrative, mm. do your best work, then put it in the world. Your best work, not the best work ever made, your best work. Don't ship it before, it's your best work. But once it's your best work, everything after that, I'm not interested in. And it's, it's kind of like, in a way, wouldn't it be your best work up until this moment of shipping, right? Yeah. Because we don't know right. so, what the future yes, holds. You, it is probably true that if you kept sanding that thing, it would get a little smoother. Right. And so there is a curve of yield. But when I run into people who say they have writer's block, I then say to them, there's no such thing as writer's block, and they get very angry at me. <laughs> and I say, do you have any bad writing? Show me your bad writing. And if you can show me a lot of bad writing, books and books of bad writing, then we can have a discussion about how to make your writing better. But if you don't have any bad writing, then it's really clear you don't have writer's block, you have typer's block. And that's a different thing because you're afraid to type. And my point is that the way we get better is by doing the work. We have to keep raising our standards, but we can't use perfectionism as a way to keep from doing our work. 
so when you, what's the best way to provoke someone? Do you, I mean, because you're 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 very provocative. I love how you you know express it. Um, you you make no apologies. You know, in terms of pushing people, what do you find? I mean, and everyone's different, right? But I mean, what are you finding really helps push people over that that wall of fear that they have about being exposed or whatever that may be? Like the canoe student, even right? Yeah, yeah. There you go. For me, it's a hundred percent about enrollment. The only motivation is self motivation. Right. If if someone can hear a story that enables them to enroll themselves in a journey, they will motivate themselves. But I can't motivate them. So if they're willing, if they're willing, and they, I mean, and that kind of comes back to 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 trusting the journey. You know, going going. Yeah, like that's got to come from within. So you just try to create an environment where they can find that within. You find there's like what's like I'm yeah. Just... So I mean, an example is the marketing seminar, the one the book is based on. Yeah. Uh, it costs like six hundred bucks, and I am eager to help nonprofits, and I regularly offer nonprofits a scholarship. And what we found was that our scholarship students never finished the course. Oh, they just okay. didn't finish. It. Yeah, yeah. But if someone paid for it, they were much more likely to finish it. Oh, so that's why we charge. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right? So and, true. Um, because they have enrolled in the journey. They're not sitting there on one foot with their arms folded, swatting at mosquitoes in the sun, waiting for me to prove something to them in 30 seconds. Got it. They've committed to a journey. And so one of the downsides of being on a podcast, the upside is getting to talk to smart people like you. The upside is having time to tell it. Is One of the downsides is, you're listening while you're running or you're listening in your car, you might just be passing the time. You might not actually be enrolled in the journey. You might say, yeah, I'll do it later. Other people are going to join a study group. They're going to join a mastermind group. They're going to get a coach. They're going to lean into it. They're going to take what looks like a risk. And you know what's going to happen? Two years from now, you're going to wonder why they're so far ahead of you. Incredible. <laughs> well, and 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 that's 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 a really good place to to remind folks that are listening of the importance of action, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, when you talk about journey, and actually, one thing I want to throw out to you, Seth, is that um, I, I hail from Northern Canada. I originally grew up in the Yukon, and have you paddled a river up there? I have not, but your voice gave you away. Of course, uh, <laughs> no, I am. <laughs> I I am an Algonquin. I'm an Algonquin Park boy through and through. One year, I took my canoe with me, a cedar strip made by Omer Stringer, down to Cambridge because I went to Tufts, and I actually paddled on the Charles River, which was a sight to behold. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> and, and I And I have been on the Hudson River, which is a fjord, so it's salt water, which is not good for a canvas canoe. But those are the extent, because I really, canoeing isn't my jam. Teaching is my jam, and canoeing just happened to be the place I started. Yeah, well, it's neat to hear, and is that I mean that whole idea of I mean, there's as a Canadian, there's just so much in uh, in, in in paddling a canoe. So so I couldn't help but think that. And then I also noticed um, in your uh, about South Garden in your blog, you uh, you have a CBC video uh, with uh, Strombo, yeah, the Strombo show. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. I, I just so, so you know, I was like so I was like I'm pretty sure he's. American, but I love all these Canadian references. So thank you for that because yeah, I I grew up in Buffalo, so we could ride pretty our much bikes Canadian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Seth, I went to film school in uh, in Welland, right across the bridge from Buffalo. So I, I was I was down Beautiful. down in those spaces a lot. So 
This is a, this concludes our, our discussion, Seth. And thank you so much for you know your generosity on a daily basis, and for you shipping every single day. Um, even that time I visited your office, you were writing away, and I was like, "Yeah, it is true. You write every single day." And you know, there's so many different ripples that have come from that, and this uh, this podcast has become better as a result. So uh, uh, thanks for letting us share that with you. And yeah, we're really excited to continue and we're, we're subscribing into the, the uh, boot camp course here at the Boiling Point Podcast in Hemmings House. Really excited to see where that's going. Seth, one last uh, bit of words uh, from you. What's the, what's the biggest call to action right now for people to engage with you today? The book is dropping this week. This is marketing. Right. So if you go to, if you go to seths.blog, S-E-T-H-S dot blog, you can read 7,000 posts for free. And if you go to seths.blog slash T-I-M, there you will find a video I made about the book, some excerpts and links to get a copy. Awesome. Thank you for being so generous uh, today just with your wisdom. and and, This was super fun. Yeah. Well, I love it. And uh, folks, get the book. It is amazing. Um, And subscribe to – I would really – my call to action to folks would be to – to, to get the, the daily email, um, you know, where you can read, it's fascinating. And I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm like, I'm like, how does this man come up with <laughs> inspiring stuff every day? Like it does make me feel yeah. like I've got writer's block. I'll admit it. I'll admit it. And in, in, <laughs> practice, in, in, practice, in the, practice, in the final spirit of, uh, of, of giving what I'm going to do in the show notes of this uh, podcast is I'll put a link to a free version of the millennial dream. Uh, when I say free, uh, if you have Amazon Prime and iTunes, you can you can get it anywhere. But we will put a link in there so you can see the uh, the, uh, the the elements uh, that Seth brought to the documentary. So Seth, have a great rest of your day, my friend, and thanks again for being part of this. Thanks so much. Go make a ruckus, guys. <laughs> right, <Awesome>. Cheers. <laughs> bye bye. Thanks, Seth. Okay, Dave. What do you think of that? Bam! Wow, he is just um, <laughs> he's such a brilliant guy, but he's so kind. He's just so thoughtful and articulate. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. It's all—it's almost like I mean, I'll be honest, it's a little intimidating because he's just so uh, concise. But you know where that comes from? Besides the fact that he's clearly a, a brilliant human, but when we were at Ruckus Makers, his whole thing about shipping was serious. And not only was he talking about shipping, he really challenged us to ship every day whether you're blogging every day, if you're making YouTube videos every day, if you're podcasting every day, whatever it is that you're doing. He doesn't say you have to do it every day, but get your frequency, stick with it, and ship. And I think he's been shipping on a daily basis for so long that he understands his message so clearly, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it shows. Yeah, well, no, like it's not. It's well thought out. It ties back to his whole philosophy and how to do business, you know, to be patient for those of us who are impatient, you know, um, playing the long game. I mean, there's 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 all this wisdom in it. Um, but yeah, that was the first thing I just I was going to mention is that is he's uh, yeah, it, and there's a calmness right um, in in how he presents stuff, which is which is yeah. like it's really a quite you know it really for me it pulls me in, it enrolls me, and uh, I think the biggest you know I guess yeah how I got to start I, I I like the idea for me personally a takeaway. Uh, would be this idea of shipping it more frequently, you know, whether that's every day or or, what, or every week, but getting, you know, that's a really good I think away. about that regularly. Now, it's it's not that I beat myself up, but when I get into a cadence of blogging uh, on my Medium account, um, I love it. And I get into a cadence and I, I'm even thinking what Seth says, you know, get it, stay consistent, do not derail. But then I do derail on another thing, whether it's more on the podcast or on another thing. So there is a discipline. And because I work in so many different uh, 
areas and verticals, it's almost, I think my takeaway today is really drilling down to that minimal viable market that he talks about, mm-hmm. kind of like the Grateful Dead did, mm-hmm. and serve them. And mm-hmm. what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Is it podcasts? Is it blogging? Is it videos? Maybe it's all of them. But if it's serving that my minimal viable market on a daily basis in any one of those formats, that's what I'm going to challenge myself with moving forward. Excellent time. Well spent. Um, so much learning. I mean, like, you know, and I wanted to be respectful of his time because I tell you, we could have, from, from our standpoint, we could have kept the conversation going another hour easy or two. Um, but or 11. Or 11, yeah. <laughs> but he was kind, uh, you know, just to give us the time he had. And actually, and on that, uh, just something I want to point out is um, – is uh, you saying, hey, let's, let's, you know, like I'm thinking, uh, like, uh, you know, Seth gotten on this podcast, that would be great. That would be exciting. That's going to be a big lift. How do we do that? And you went out and made it happen, man. So well done. And, um, and that's well, the way I, you I roll. Sent, I sent Seth one email. and uh, Yeah, but you did. You took the time to do it. I think there's a message in that for people, you know, like for me and for others, you know, it's just is, is, is get her done. Get you her know? done. Ship it. Yeah. Ship it. Yeah. And uh, one last thing, folks. Um, we have been doing well over 200 episodes every single week. Uh, Dave and I do this truly because we like to hang out with each other. And 200 meet episodes really, every single week. We do 200 episodes a week. We ship 200. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How many episodes do we have, Kim? Do you know? Kim's with us. It's okay. She's all embarrassed because she's not on a microphone. Oh, a thousand. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but you know what? If you go check out boilingpointpodcast.com, Hop onto our email list. You know, put just put your uh, your note in because we've got so many other gems that have been guests on this uh, on this podcast, and we want to start delivering them uh, in the form of our email newsletter. So sign up, and we really appreciate. And welcome to season three. Welcome to season three. No, I think it's season three. No, this is terrible. Let's do some math. We got over two hundred episodes, fifty-two episodes a season. So we might be going to season four, Dave. Welcome to the next season. Welcome to the next season. Welcome (laughs) to the next season. All right. See you next week, Dave. See you, buddy. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer. Such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth.